All right, so this morning there's no super church, so kids get to stay with us. That's pretty exciting. And uh, like I said, we're blessed to have Rod and Jenny Carlson with us. Uh, Rod's going to be sharing James, but uh, pray for him. It's a powerful book. Don't just kind of to check out. Don't just kind of sit back. I mean, God speaks through his word. And I encourage you to listen as, as, as Rod shares the book of James. There's much to be heard in this book. So, Rod, come ahead. Yes, there's, there's a lot in James. Oh, my goodness, look at all the people who came. Just as a preface, we're, uh, we're going to ask you to do something unique, and that is... If you're tempted to follow along, we'd ask you not to. Does that sound heretical? Um, For those who may not know, by the way, hi, friends everywhere. But I think about 12 years now, we've been delightfully staying here, sucking electricity out of your church. And... (laughs) Um, the reason we request that is that we've done our memorization from the New Living Translation. And if you have a different translation than that and you're following along, you will spend most of your time comparing what you're reading and what you're hearing. And then if you happen to have one of these New Living Translations first edition, you'll just wonder if we can make it. Neither of those are your job this morning. So let us encourage you to just listen and then keep your antenna up for when God pokes you. If you have a pen and a paper, you've got your phone, you can make a quick note. Uh, When we're finished, we'll ask you what you heard and maybe we can just share a few brief thoughts and uh, hear what God's been talking to you about. Something I didn't mention in the first service is we, we do have some portions of Scripture, some books of Scripture that, are, that we have memorized that are, that are in DVD form, and um, they're just in a rack out in that foyer there. Everything is self-explanatory, so that's as much as we need to hear about that. So, this letter is from James. What a surprise. A slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to Jewish Christians scattered throughout the nations. Greetings. Ah, just checking. Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. Now, if you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him. He'll gladly tell you. He will not resent your asking. But when you ask him, make sure you really expect him to answer. For a doubtful mind is as unsettled as a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. 
People like that should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. They can't make up their minds. They waver back and forth in in everything they do. Now God blesses those, no, it's Christians who are poor should be glad for God has honored them. And those who are wealthy should be glad for God has humbled them. You know, they will fade away like a flower in the field. The hot sun rises and dries up the grass. The flower withers and its beauty fades away. So also wealthy people will fade away with all of their achievements. Now God blesses those who patiently endure testing. (laughs) Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, no one who wants to do wrong should ever say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he does not tempt anyone else either. Temptation comes from the lure of our own evil desires, and these evil desires lead to evil actions, and evil actions lead to death. So do not be misled, brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes to us from God above who created every light of heaven. But unlike them, he never changes or casts shifting shadows. In his goodness, he chose to make us his true children by giving us his his true word, and we out of all creation became his choice possession. Brothers and sisters, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Your anger can never make things right in God's sight. So, Get rid of all of the the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the message God has planted in your hearts for it is strong enough to save your souls. And remember it is a message to obey, not just listen to. If you you just listen and don't obey, it's uh, like looking at your reflection in a mirror but then doing nothing to improve your appearance. You see yourself, walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you keep on looking steadily into God's perfect law, the law that sets you free, and you don't forget what you heard, God will bless you for doing it. Now, if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're only fooling yourself. And your religion is worthless. Pure and lasting religion in the sight of God our Father means that we must help orphans and widows in their troubles and refuse to let the world corrupt us. Now, brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord, Jesus Christ, if you favor some people more than others? For instance... Suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry and another comes in who is poor and dressed in shabby clothes. 
Well, if you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, no, you can stand over there. Or, oh, you can sit on the floor. Well, don't you see that this discrimination is showing that you're being guided by wrong motives? Listen, brothers and sisters, hasn't God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom God has promised to those who love him and yet you insult the poor man? Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed, it is good when you truly obey our Lord's royal command found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you pay special attention to the, to the wealthy, you're committing a sin for you're guilty of breaking that law. And the person who keeps all of the laws, except one, is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. So if you murder someone, you've broken the entire law, even though you don't commit adultery. So whenever you, you speak, or whatever you do, remember you will be judged by the law of love, the law that set you free. For there will be no mercy for you if you have no mercy for others. But if you are merciful, God's mercy toward you will overrule his judgment against you. Again, brothers and sisters, what's the use of saying you have, have faith if you don't prove it by your actions? That kind of faith can't save anyone. Well, suppose you meet a, a brother or sister in need of food and, and clothing. And you, you say, <laughs> well, God bless you. Stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good is that? So you see, it's not enough just to have faith. Faith that does not show itself by good deeds is no faith at all. It's, it's dead and useless. Now, some may say, some people have faith. Others have good deeds. But I say, I can't see your faith if you have no good deeds. But I'll show you my faith through my good deeds. Do you still think it's enough to believe there's one God? Well, even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. Oh, fool, when will you ever learn that faith that does not result in good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was declared right with God by what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, Abraham was trusting God so much he was willing to do whatever God told him to do. His faith was made complete 
by what he did, by his actions. And so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God and so God declared him to be righteous. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are made right with God by what we, what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example of this. She was made right with God by what she did when she hid those messengers and then sent them safely away by another road. Just as the body is dead without a spirit, so faith is dead without good deeds. Brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged by God with greater strictness. Now we all make many mistakes. But those who control their tongues can control themselves in every other way. We can control a horse and make it turn and go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And, and a tiny runner, rudder rather makes a huge ship turn and go wherever the pilot wants it to go, even though the winds are strong. So also is the tongue a small thing. But what enormous damage it can do. Look, a, a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It's full of wickedness that can ruin your whole life. It can turn the entire course of your life into a blazing flame of destruction because it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all sorts of animals and birds and reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It's an uncontrollable evil, full of deadly poison. Well, sometimes it, it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it breaks into curses against those made in the image of God, and so both blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, Brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and, and bitter water? Can you pick olives from a fig tree? Or figs from a, a grapevine? Of course not. And you cannot draw fresh water from a salty pool. Now if you're wise... And understand God's ways. Live a life of steady goodness so that only good deeds will pour forth. And if you don't brag about the good you do, <laughs> then you'll be truly wise. But if you are bitterly jealous and have selfish ambition in your heart, do not brag about being wise. That's the worst kind of lie. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, motivated by the devil. For wherever you find jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every kind of evil. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving 
gentle at all times and willing to yield to another. It's full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no partiality and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will sow seeds of peace and reap a harvest of goodness. Now, brothers and sisters, what's causing all of the fights and quarrels among you? Isn't it the whole army of evil desires at work within you? You see, you want what you don't have, and so you scheme and kill to get it. You, you are jealous for what others have, and you can't possess it, and so you fight and quarrel to take it away from them. And yet, the reason you don't have what you want is you don't ask God for it. And even when you do ask him, you do not receive it because your whole motive is wrong. You, you, you only want what it brings you pleasure. Oh, adulterers. Don't you realize that friendship with this world makes you an enemy of God? I'll say it again. If your aim is to enjoy this world, you cannot be a friend of God. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the Holy Spirit whom God has placed within us jealously longs for us to be faithful? He gives us more and more Strength to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, God sets himself against the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw close to God, God will draw close to you. Oh, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you hypocrites. Let there be tears for the wrong things you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter, gloom instead of joy. But when you finally bow down before the Lord and admit your dependence on him, he will raise you up and give you honor. Don't don't speak evil against each other, brothers and sisters. If you criticize and condemn each other, you are actually criticizing and condemning God's law, but you're not a judge who can decide whether the law is right or wrong. Your job is to obey it. God alone, who made the law, is able to rightly judge among us. He alone has the, the power to save or destroy. So what right do we have to condemn our neighbors? Look here, you people who say, today or tomorrow, we are going to go to a certain town. We'll we'll stay there for a year. We'll do business and make a profit. How do you know what will happen tomorrow? For your lives are like the morning fog It's here for a little while, and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live 
and do this or that. Otherwise, you will be bragging about your own plans and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and not do it. Oh, look here, you, you wealthy people. Weep and groan in anguish because of all of the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth has become useless and, and worthless. Your clothes have become, your fine clothes have become moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are worthless. The, the very wealth you're counting on will eat your flesh like fire. This treasure you've accumulated will stand as evidence against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the, the reapers whom you've cheated of their pay. The wages you have withheld cry out against you. The cries of the reapers have reached the ear of the Lord Almighty. Oh, you've spent your life here on earth in luxury, satisfying your every whim, and now your hearts are nice and fat, ready for the slaughter. You have condemned and killed good people who had no power to defend themselves against you. Brothers and sisters, you must be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who eagerly look for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They patiently wait for that precious harvest to ripen. You too must be patient and take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, <laughs> brothers and sisters, or God will judge you. For look, the great judge is coming. He's standing at the door. For examples of patience under suffering, look to the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who patiently endure suffering. Job is an example of a man who patiently endured suffering. Now from his experience, we can see that God's plan for Job ended well, for he is full of tenderness and mercy. Most important of all, never take an oath by heaven, by earth, or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned for it. Are any among you suffering? They should continue to pray about it. And those who have reason to be thankful should continually sing praises to God. Now, are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church to come 
and pray for them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And their prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make them well. And if they have committed sins, they will be forgiven. Brothers and sisters, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. Well, Elijah was as human as we are. (laughs) Yet when he earnestly prayed that no rain should fall, none fell for the next three and a half years. But he prayed for rain and down it poured. The grass turned green and the crops began to grow again. My dear brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back again, you can be sure that the one who brings that person back will save that sinner from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Pray with me. Gracious God. Gracious God. We live under your grace. We live under your authority. We cherish your word. For therein we discover your heart and your purpose. Our responsibilities and your favor. This morning, would you, as a seamstress would, would you sew into the fabric of our hearts the truths that we have heard today? So that as we leave here today, we will be different than when we entered. We will be changed Perhaps it's incrementally the next step into the heart of God. Perhaps it's dramatically. If you're here today and you have never before taken the intentional step of inviting Christ to be the Lord of your life, and you'd like to be adopted into God's family, as Ephesians chapter 1 talks about, Sins cleansed, life new, future eternal with God. And today's your day to get right with God. Would you raise your hand, anybody? We ask this everywhere we go. Pastor Mike will address this also just a little bit later. If you're here and you're kind of struggling with the hand in the air thing, would you talk to somebody before you leave? (laughs) Get with someone. Get with one of, the, one of the folks you saw leading, you know, re- receiving the offering. Get with Pastor Mike or Pastor Max, Aaron, Isaiah. Come and see me. Thank you, Lord. Okay, uh, I mentioned earlier, let's look up here, that I was going to ask you what you heard. So, what did you heard? What did you hear? Oh, 
Ooh. Yeah, it's a small thing. <laughs> Be careful what you say because the tongue is a, is a powerful and, and sometimes dangerous thing, isn't it? Yes. I love that analogy. A tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Tremendous damage. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It's like a blue torch. Unbridled. Yeah, good. Someone else. I'm sure more of you had thoughts this morning. Most people I know have thoughts. If you know to do it and you don't do it, thank you, Marty, it is sin. If you know something that God is asking you to do and you don't do it, it falls on the wrong side of the ledger. It is sin. Thank you. Oh, wherever the hand is over here. <laughs> way, oh, way, oh, in the, yes, dear, I'm sorry. Isn't that an interesting statement there? So Christians who are poor should be glad for God has honored them. And those who are rich should be glad for God has humbled them. What does that mean, to humble the rich? I've thought about that last night and this morning. I wonder if it means God just makes those who, who are following God and are wealthy He helps them understand their, that this is not an elevated position before him, but they are humbled so they realize the purpose of their wealth. Possible. I haven't dug into that. But, but it, as you're looking at the poor who are, who are, are honored, that's the word I was going for, and, and the comparison, maybe it's to get us on, as we view each other, on the same level. And the wealth is not an issue that causes rejection or retraction from relationship. So, Jenny. God humbles the, the wealthy so that they realize their need for him. God humbles the wealthy so they need, they realize their need for him. Good point. You said it better than I did. <laughs> yes. Yes, brother. Learn how to be patient in trials. Patience, yeah. We're not real good at that a lot of times. But pretty clearly, pretty clearly explained. You must be, he starts, you must be patient as you wait for the Lord's return and then goes on into the, 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 you know, the example of patience under trial and suffering and speaking of our pastor in Mumbai. It's the perfect example. Patience. His car stops working. What now does he have to do? He exercises patience because he doesn't have the resources to solve the problem. Anybody ever had to exercise patience? 
What a lucky bunch. Sure, all of us. So, anybody else? Yes, brother. Isn't that interesting? It's like looking at your face in a mirror and you see yourself and you say, yeah, that's you. But when you walk away, you would be hard-pressed to, to describe yourself to a, a police artist because you forget what you look like. If you don't believe me, try it. There'll be all sorts of people this afternoon looking at a mirror and walking away. <laughs> Brother. Confess your sins to each other, but the sentence doesn't end there. You're right. Confess your sins to one another. Why? So you can pray for one another. And by the way, if someone confesses something to you, it's not fodder for conversation with anybody else. It got real quiet. It's true. But so you can be healed. Oh, yes, yes, brother. Yes. <laughs> what do you have to do? You have to start drawing near to God. Guess what God's doing? He's already on the way. Isn't that something? What a great promise. Anybody else? I am not wearing my glasses. Yes, dear. Isn't that a tough one? When he starts it out with, you adulterers, <laughs> not exactly fun. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? If your aim, if your focus, your energies are all aimed at enjoying this world, you can't be a friend of God. Now that's a, that's a tough statement. Because I think God gave us this wonderful world in which to live, not to ignore or disparage. Yes, there is enjoyment there, but if your aim, your life purpose is to, to, to kind of suck every bit of enjoyment out of this world before you die, that's not God's purpose for you here. Yeah. It's, it's different, isn't it? Was it Martin Luther did, that was convinced that James shouldn't be in the canon? I th <laughs> somebody mentioned that one time. Because it focused on the good deeds. Good deeds don't get you to heaven. Deeds born of faith in God. What a promise. Yes, dear. Can you holler just a little louder from my old ears? You can't draw fresh water from a salty pool. You can't pay, pick fig, from, uh, olives from a fig tree and figs from a grapevine. So it's the same thing, yes. So whenever you speak or whatever you do, remember you'll be judged by the law of love, the law that sets you free. Yeah. Anyone else? Or back here, yes. Isn't it because of the, the, the war between your evil desires and here, yeah, yeah. All, all great incentives to center back, you know, center back. Okay, if no one else, we'll just, we, do, we don't come here and wear a costume and quote scripture to 
impress you. It's because our job is to encourage you to do the same thing. So it can't be that impressive. It's, we, God has asked us to come and talk to folks like you all over the country, several other countries, across Canada. They especially need it. I'm a Canadian. <laughs> but to challenge you to embrace this discipline whereby you take these words here and you get them planted on these pages. And to do that the simplest way is, is to ask you to do this. Find a chapter. Doesn't matter whether it's old or new. Testament. Find a chapter and do your best in the next about month and a half to make it yours. So you can just speak it through. And do it this way. For the next 30 days, after you've chosen your chapter, read it once a day out loud. Doesn't matter, you know, even if people are around, you can whisper it. That's out loud. Let your ear hear your mouth speaking the word of God. So speak it out loud once a day for 30 days. How many times? Oh, that was enthusiastic. <laughs> How many times? Once a day for 30 days. After you've done that for 30 days, you will have already memorized some of the phraseology in it, in that chapter, and you will know what's in that chapter. Then take the next couple of weeks or as long as it takes to go back over it. Keep repeating it. Keep reading through it. Just keep re reading through it and, and assemble it so that you can, two or three weeks later, you can speak that whole chapter without looking at your Bible. And there's a chapter that no one can ever take away from you. 